Thank you for downloading this podcast and welcome to Arrow Bandwidth, the podcast to help the channel better understand the trends, technologies and concepts that are facing the IT industry today. I'm your host, David Fern, and we hope you enjoy this Arrow production. And please subscribe. Thanks. Hi and welcome to the sixth episode of Arrow Bandwidth. And uh, this time we've got a slight change. Uh, my regular co-host Rich Holmes has decided to take some holiday, and uh, we're now joined by my new two co-hosts, Alex Tyhouse and Lorcan Murphy. And I'll pass over to them to introduce themselves. Alex, hi. Uh, this, uh, I'm Alex Tyhouse. Um, I'm a software-defined architect. But, uh, well, as my as I already uh, misspoke a little bit, I'm uh, focusing quite a bit on security as well. So anything, networking, design, security, software-defined, I'm normally interested in it. So uh, that's me. Normally, not always. No, well, <laughs> basically always. <laughs> We're trying to take him out of the dark side completely and, and bring him into a little bit of the light. But no, 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 you are Mr. Mr. St- well... Mr. F5, Mr. Juniper, I think we can, uh, I'm sure we'll come into a bit more detail later on about exactly where and, and what you are, but yeah, very, very, very intelligent chap, well, which leads you. me on to the next brain in the room, and I must admit, we're very, very lucky to have him, all the way from sunny Dublin, Mr. Lorcan Murphy. Welcome. Thank you very much. This is the first time I've ever heard Dublin being called sunny, but we do have a bit of sunshine. Um, my name is Lorcan Murphy. I'm pre-sales manager for UK and Ireland. Um, I cover quite a wide range of vendors and have quite a bit an opinion on certain topics So hopefully we'll discuss today. That is exactly what we want. Opinions, opinions, opinions. So without further ado, let's jump into today's topic. So the purpose of today's topic was to start to introduce... Um, some security news and some security sort of uh, opinions and, and sort of um, information into the podcast series. Um, so the, the sort of question to pose to start the conversation for today is how does the enterprise start to secure itself in a world where attack surface is becoming increasingly larger and the threats are becoming increasingly more aggressive? So what do we mean by this? I mean, uh, in my, and I, I'm, I'm probably going to step back for quite a considerable amount of this podcast, but from my limited knowledge, you know, I hear ransomware. I see, you know, security and attacks becoming front page news. You know, it's it's no longer the preserve of, you know, those hallway conversations at IT conferences and security conferences about who's been breached and, and what's gone on. It's now front page news. It's destroying brands. How on earth do we start to mitigate against it? But first and foremost, let's talk about some of the attacks. Let's talk about, you know, what are the new attacks? It's not about viruses on firewalls anymore. You know. Well, you still have them. You still have the classic uh, classic issues that you need to deal with, but you're, you're quite right. And there's, there's a uh, more and more shift towards more intelligent attacks, mm-hmm. uh, ransomware. We will encrypt your hard drive, and you're not going to get your data back until you give us some money. Um, you got botnets that we will take an army of thousands of machines and we will let them hit your website with everything we got. But how I mean, do you deal with that? Yeah. How on earth do these things come about? I mean, how how does anyone sort of work on the, in these systems? How how can how can someone seriously turn around to me and say, "Give me some money and I can't trace them and and it's completely sort of anonymized." I mean, that just seems insane. Well, isn't that the, the power of the internet? Oh, sorry, Lord, can I go All ahead? Right. Uh, the best thing about the ransomware in particular is that it's a business. I love the best People thing. People are making <laughs> money 
of this. It's the internet has moved on in the sense everybody can be hidden behind certain IP addresses. Nobody can trace them down. But the key point here with ransomware, it is a business. These guys are in it for money. And that is where the, the brains of this operation come from. And I do use the word best because it is very intriguing from a security background. That's very true. But very true. from my point of view, obviously, we try to stop these guys. And how do we stop them? Well, we've got multiple of defenses that we can and use. Yeah. I mean, it's, it started off with a number of guys from a purely technical point of view saying, well, what can we do? Would this be an available piece of attack? And at the moment they've proven it, it, it gets taken over by, <coughs> in fact, businessmen. They say, well, actually, let me turn it around and make some money out of this. Yeah, it's insane. It seems absolutely mental that this can actually genuinely be a, a profitable and traded and, and sort of almost becoming commoditized sort of industry. But it, it definitely it is, is commoditized. There's even help desk where you can actually phone these organizations and ask for help and actually get your stuff decrypted <laughs> after you've been encrypted. By the way, 90% of traffic that is attacked by ransomware and you pay that fee is decrypted for you. So, so, they, uh, mm. so they're, they're standing up and sort of they're trying to, in, in one way, become honorable organizations. That is yep. just insane. I mean, so ransomware, you know, I think that's, that's hit the news a few times recently over in the States. It's hit the news a couple of times over here. I believe it was last week that two hospitals in the, U in the US were, uh, were hit as well. Yeah. yeah. We're, uh, yep. So, I mean, what exactly is ransomware doing? Give us some examples of how it actually, you know, what was it doing? Or is it taking false capture is it is it just sort of um locking us out of our machines what's it doing it's uh it's basically um you get infected in some way this might be a very uh low tech of attack of, of a uh, an attachment in an email or you could have a, a vulnerability in your machine in some way they get in they run their piece of code and this code automatically encrypts whatever you have on your desktop or your laptop or your server or some storage device Okay. Once it is in, once it is encrypted, it is to such an extent encrypted that you can't get to it at all unless you have the encryption key or the decryption key. Once you ha the only way to get it is please give us some money and we will help you out. Okay. The key point here is the guys are actually getting in the traditional way. It's sending in emails. It's personal attacks. It's through social media. It's still coming through the exact same ways <coughs> as the traditional virus that the kid in his bunker wrote, they're still getting in the exact same way. Um, it's just now much more malicious and it's a business-like operation. Mm. So, I mean, you say that people are getting in the normal way. Give us some examples of, you know, how do people get infected? How What are the common ways, you know, that people end up with malware or, or viruses or these these sort of pieces of code that turn into these absolute sort of these things that decimate organizations there are dozens of ways of getting in and nowadays the most popular ways do some sort of spear phishing what spear phishing means it actually targets the individual so they will look up who do they need to access in an organization so perhaps it's the ceo of an organization they don't always go after the ceo himself they may go after just the reception for example once they get into the receptions they then go after the ceo and they try to encrypt his laptop devices where the mm. very, very important information is stored. Uh, I've even heard of an, a particular attack on a crash outside the building, waiting for somebody whose child they dropped off to come onto their website. They actually attacked the crash's website. And when the employee gets onto that site, wow. then they actually have access into it. It's so called insane. luring 
the person onto the site and from there they can actually See, th these sorts of things can happen just by going on a website. It's that simple. It can be that simple. It can be simple as just downloading the wrong file at the wrong time. And because it's a zero-day attack, in the sense that virus has never been seen before, your traditional antivirus vendors will not pick up on it and cannot defend against it. And you, w you would actually think that, well, before you can even do this, you already need to know a lot about your company. Well, actually, everything is online nowadays. Yeah. Um, everybody's using Facebook. Everybody's using LinkedIn. Everybody's more than happy to share any kind of detail you need and all the good guys, but also the bad guys, pick up that information to use that in one of these attacks. So is that, I've heard of a, of a term in the past called of social engineering. Is that technically that's social engineering? That's or? exactly oh, what social yep. engineering is. It's attacking the individual. Um, <coughs> I use the term spear phishing, but it's a very similar term. Mm. In the sense, we go after the individual, and once we have the individual that we need to target, at that point in time, we'll then release the virus the actual ransomware itself so i mean one of the things that's always always interested me is how um how a virus goes from the receptionist computer to the ceo i mean how do these things spread i mean is there are they spread via internal sort of people moving of memory sticks sending emails i mean how what sort of things how do these things spread inside of an organization is there a, is there a common way is there a sort of a, a way that you guys have seen before any examples i think we're coming back to well, how, how the, the the original ways of spreading viruses around is still is still valid here. That if you have a vulnerability in your system, your system hasn't been up to date, it hasn't been patched. There are certain holes in your security. They will try to exploit those holes. Um, if you haven't run Windows Update for the last couple of weeks, you might be vulnerable to something that you're just not aware of yet. Mm. And the the virus, the the malware, will pick up those holes and use them to to spread from one machine to the other. But sometimes it can actually be a very low tech that it just hijacks the account of the user it has now has access to and sends out emails from that user. Well, you know you need to trust that user normally, so why shouldn't I trust them this time? Mm. There's also the problem where we have mobile devices. So traditionally, we used to be able to protect the peripheral. So you mentioned firewalls mm. earlier on, you know, firewalls, IPS, they used to protect the peripheral. The peripheral has actually now moved. It's moved to the cloud. And we all have mobile phones where email's on it. So suddenly, we don't have to get inside the network. Suddenly, we can just attack a phone, for example. And from there, we'll send the emails yeah. that will propagate across the network. Wow, well, that's absolutely terrifying. So, I mean, talking about attacks and, and sort of the more sort of coordinated attacks now, you know, I hear this term botnet, and we mentioned it earlier on, and, you know, it's a quite a common term, but it's one of these things that I think is poorly misunderstood poorly misunderstood that doesn't even make sense but generally misunderstood um in the marketplace because you know it sounds like robots um but can you guys you know give us some context you know as, a, as another major sort of new threat that that's sort of out there and, and heard about and, and and what can you do with a botnet army Robots is a very good term because literally that's what they are they are robots out there they are computers waiting to be used against your needs so basically a bot network is pcs that have already been infected waiting to release their payload onto some unsuspected person okay in this case you're normally not talking necessarily about uh, enterprises you more talk about local um, unprotected home machines mm -hmm. machines that people haven't been looking after for a couple of months a couple of days a couple of years they get infected in the same way as, as we talked about before. They get infected by some piece of malware. And from that moment onwards, they are just waiting for somebody somewhere to give them a signal and say, okay, from now on, you need to do this. 
So the computers, all these um, <coughs> viruses, attacks, they all need processing power. Mm-hmm. So how do they get processing power? They actually use other people's processing power. And this is the best way, example of it. They take over other people's machines, and that is the processing power that they actually use. So they're not necessarily viruses per se. They just sit there and hide and wait for a command. And I mean, are they the same sort of thing as... As, as malware, or are they just hidden bits of code? I mean, I believe that they, they have used a piece of malware in order to get there. Mm-hmm. But once once they have been infected, there they become their own entity. And normally, well, you can basically let somebody else, some other machine, do whatever you want them to do. And if it's one guy, that that's all right. If it's one machine, but what if you have the power over a hundred hundred machines, a hundred thousand machines? A couple of million machines. That's where it gets interesting. And they do all lie dormant until the trigger is launched. Wow. And I mean, from a, you mentioned earlier on about zero days. Obviously, zero day means that it hasn't been discovered before, so there's no antivirus signature for it. So it hasn't ever been, no one said, if you see this, that's, you know, bad, get rid of it. How on earth do we go about mitigating it? Is there any mitigation yet? Is it... There is defenses against it. Um, not all are f- foolproof, but there is definitely such as application control, for example. Mm. If you control what applications are actually launched on your machine, that is one way of mitigating yeah. these particular attacks. Yeah, I Always mean, assume you've been <coughs> attacked. Do never. There was the assumption bef- in a few years back was we can actually p- uh, protect you. Nowadays, that assumption has gone, and it's actually a case of when you've been breached as opposed to if you've been breached. Yeah. So the application control is one way of defeating these mechanisms. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I, I heard recently in a, in a blog or something or other was assume breach. Assume breach. Assume breach. Oh. And if you assume breach, you shouldn't go too far wrong. So, yeah, coming back to these these robot armies out there in our computers that are going to go and do bad things. What sort of bad things do they do? I mean, what exactly should we be worried about these coordinated hundred or hundred thousand sort of computers actually um, actually doing for it to us? Well, the, the, the most common example is, is just overloading a website where they will just, all the machines at once at the same time, go to a website and send requests and just ask for information. And by just soaking up all the bandwidth and all the resource you have, you simply cannot deal with actual customers anymore. Okay. So you, it's, it's a denial of service attack or distributed denial of service attack. Distributed just that you are coming from multiple points at the same time. F- however, that's, that's where it started. <coughs> what they're now moving towards is they try to use it as a cover for more interesting things. A um, mm. couple of years ago, um, when Sony got hacked, what they found out afterwards was actually that they got hit by a massive DDoS attack at a certain moment. The security people from Sony were apparently so busy dealing with this DDoS attack that they didn't notice that one guy somewhere was actually properly hacking into the system and doing all the real damage. Fantastic. It's, I mean, it's a clever incredible. way of doing things. So I have mm. also heard of a gambling organization that was hit by a denial of service attack the weekend of the weekend of the Grand National, for example, and they had to actually pay a certain organisation um, a few thousand pounds to get actually past the, on that particular weekend. So another form of ransomware, ransom sort of networkware. We can shut down yep. your website. And, uh, Grand National weekend is the busiest weekend and, um, for any And, and people are still, and genuinely people are getting away with this. I mean, how, how are we not, as a, as a sort of 
organized civilization, not the techniques. So surely, and one of the things that's always sort of absolutely bef- bewildered me is how we built this internet. We um, it's operated by some of the largest sort of telcos and sort of governments in the world. How are we letting all this stuff propagate across our network? Why do we not just see it, detect it, and stop it? I mean, surely, you know, for a distributed denial of service for attack, for example, there must be ways of blocking it. For these, you know, these bits of ransomware, is there not something that could be done? Because um, I appreciate that there's something, you know, very little that can be done at, at a consumer level. I think the enterprises is something we'll come on to in another podcast. But I mean, from a perspective of, what you know, is there nothing the telcos could do to sort of check this out and, and, and block it in some way? Uh, it's, it's a very interesting arms race that always goes on. It's it's always you need to try and stay one step ahead of the attacker, and the attacker is trying to stay one step ahead of you. Mm. With security in general, the biggest problem is that there are just so many different angles, so many different vectors, as they call them, of attack that you can deal with that you as an enterprise or a user, home user, need to be more or less familiar with all of these areas mm. in order to make a sensible approach. And normally I would say that we're actually one step behind the guys because it's actually after we discover mm. the hack, mm. then we actually patch our system up. So very rarely are we one step ahead. We're always normally one step behind. Yeah. These guys are actually doing writing these attacks. They're very, very clever people. Not only are they clever people, it's interesting that you mentioned the word governments here, Sometimes it's being heard that governments are actually writing this as espionage for other organisations, other countries. Yeah, I, I must admit, we, we, there was obviously the case a couple of years ago now with the piece of um, weaponized malware that was there to design to sort of go and destroy nuclear centrifuges in Iran. Or ah, Stuxnet. Stuxnet, that was the one. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's got to be mental, right? I mean, if that's sort of... if I'm guessing... I'm guessing you guys are much closer I, to this than I am. I'd just I, like to get here on the record. The US government and the Israeli government have denied all knowledge of that. Thank you very much <laughs> for that disclaimer, Lorcan. And that is exactly why you are who you are in our business. Thank you. Um, yes, absolutely. We are certainly not saying that that is reality. That is the pure fiction that's played out in front of us. Um, but I mean, I mean, what's going on? I mean, seriously, this is insane. What what other things are uh, sort of creeping around the Internet that you say that aren't getting reported? Well, it's not very simple. The simple answer is there's money in it. As long as there's money in the game to be made, these guys are going to exist. Yeah. Before, it was some guy just doing it for fun. Now it's a business, whether it's mafia, whether it's government, whether it's just organizations. You can actually buy spyware attacks on the internet. It is a business. It is where the money is made. So it's up to us, the security experts, to try and secure against that, and we will definitely be able to help and facilitate and yeah. where's all this stuff sold i mean i'm guessing you can't go on ebay and buy a cd anymore i mean no where? no no it's called the dark web very very scary stuff out there <laughs> so i mean once again another sort of term that i'm sure a lot of listeners will have heard of the dark web what it, what on earth is the dark web in in 11 minutes if possible Okay, the dark web <laughs> is something you cannot google it is out there in the web you cannot pull into simple search engines but however you can download other search engines that will actually allow you the main currency out there is BitTorrent Bitcoin Bitcoin yeah Uh, the Bitcoin is the currency in the dark web so in the dark web you can buy anything you want whether that be spyware traffic spyware tools viruses down to illegal drugs for example you can buy 
right across the okay. dark web. And does that have something scary. to do with Tor? I and mean, that's another thing we've heard of. So Tor is the search engine of choice, mainly, that people would use. So instead of Google, you download a separate browser called Tor and actually search there for anything you want. So is it a, so what is it, like an, an, an internet inside the internet, almost like a... It's a encrypted data where you are anonymized so nobody can see where the traffic is coming from or to and it's completely encrypted so one the authorities <coughs> out there cannot actually track you down f- and not only that um the i lost my thought <laughs> <laughs> that's okay so i mean it's everybody everybody's trying to be hidden and yeah. it's, it's uh, maybe you can compare it a little bit to uh, well, a bit of a far shot but the matrix you only know that it's there if you know that it's there Okay. If you're not familiar with it, then it will always stay hidden. It will always stay dark for you. Yeah. Once you know your way in, you can open and open up to a whole different level of, of all kinds of rubbish. Okay. Well, I suppose uh, it poses another interesting question around uh, how has that been how's that been allowed to be created? You know, it brings me back to this whole thing of where's the responsibility for for this? Is it you know is the internet just just that open? Is it just that out of control or I, I believe that's the power of the internet is that anybody who can be connected can do whatever they want mm. and <coughs> what are one of the ideas behind the internet and the world wide web is to give everybody an opportunity to be equal and do whatever they what kind of opportunities they want to develop both good and bad yeah. there's definitely a lot of that so everything can be good what we see from day to day with news right across the world instantly onto your phone for example but then the other side of it is the bad stuff that can actually get out there yeah. so a good thing about encryption for example yeah. is if you ever wanted encrypted traffic to keep everything secure it's good but the bad side mm-hmm. is the bad guys also encrypt their traffic yeah and therefore it's bad so good versus bad every single time and, inc- and traffic is still you know, encrypted traffic you know is it genuinely as secure as everyone sort of professed it to be? No. Well, funny enough that you should bring it up. Uh, I don't know if you heard about a drown attack from a couple of weeks ago. It's, it's one of the attacks where uh, what they try, what the bad guys are trying to do is you encrypt your traffic and assuming that the traffic is secure. They try to intercept your traffic and trying to bring it to such a low level of encryption that it can actually decipher it. And thereby giving you the impression that everything you send over that over a secure channel is secure, and actually they do siphon off whatever they want. Okay, I'm way over <coughs> flying over on the airplane this morning. Uh, I read a very interesting article uh, in the news. The FBI managed to hack into a phone uh, very recently for one particular terrorist, and now they've actually opened it up for a low key. Um, murder that will happen in the States. So now suddenly the iPhones themselves are being hacked into by the FBI, which I imagine is going to be released by Apple in the next few months, which will actually block that. It's a crazy world we live in. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I must admit, I've uh, followed that case very, very closely myself. And um, it's been a, a very, very interesting sort of almost moral test of privacy versus law versus privacy versus law. So, uh, interesting one. Uh, so, is that right. good or bad? <laughs> hey, it's absolutely not for this podcast. Whoa, yeah, um, yeah. We'll park that one for another day. Um, that'll be a discussion a bit later on in the pub. Uh, okay, so seven minutes left. Now, what I want is one minute. What on earth 
does the enterprise do to protect itself? How how do they start? You know, there has to be a layered approach. You, there is not one fix to fix all here. We have a layered approach. We have there is vendors out there that have solutions. If you cannot go to one vendor and actually buy a solution that fixes everything for you, you have to come in with a layered approach, whether that be application awareness apps that I described earlier on, right down to an MDM type solution to protect your phone, to the firewall technology that has always been there, right down to IPS itself. Okay. So literally you need to make sure that you have almost multiple layers of an attacker or a virus or anything has to get through Most over and definitely. over and over again. Most definitely. And not only with that, I would add in, even after all that layered approach, assume you've already been breached as well. (laughs) Try to find out what they've got to you and how they've actually got that. The quicker you discover when they've got in and what they actually got from your organization, the greatest protection you have. So as long as you take an aggressively paranoid stance, you'll be sort of okay. That's probably a very good saying i like it 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 does mean that you also can't do anything because everything gets blocked off but yeah sure yeah well this is so alex slightly different question to you then how do you not let security literally rule the life of your organization because surely everything lawkins just said basically says lock everything down to within an inch of its life and still assume that you are being breached it's it's always fun it's so whenever you design something it's always a bit of fun that you, you you got a two camps. You got a network design guys who, who just want to build everything and want everything to work. A bit of the peaceful guys. Say, why why can't we all just get along? And then at the same at the same table, you got the security guys who come along and say, "Well, we don't trust anybody. You can't do anything. We don't." It, there's there's a balance between it, and I, I strongly believe that it's 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 it used to be the case that um, security was bolted on. You you have a network and let's add some security. Let's add a firewall. Let's add some in, intrusion detection systems, etc. Whereas nowadays, what you need to do very much is it needs to come from it within from day one. Whenever you start your whole design of a network of an environment, you need to look at both aspects at the same time, at your functionality and your security, and raise them both at the same time, at the same level, in the same way. Okay. Yeah, that that sort of makes sense, but. I mean, so question question to both of you: What should be so for, for organisations that are currently listening to this, resellers who have end customers and end customers who are sitting and thinking, what is a good practical step? I have, you know, I'm I'm, I'm not a massive organisation or I'm a massive organisation, and I've got I've got firewalls, obviously. Um, I've not got a dedicated security team. I've um, you know, I, I try to keep everyone up to date. I want to start to introduce like a, a mobile strategy. I want to introduce a more sort of agile way of accessing our, our corporate information and our corporate applications. You know, what would you advise sort of your top tip to be? Where would where should someone invest their money, their time and their energy first to sort of get a, a good return on investment in security immediately? It's- it's a great question because I believe the biggest challenge out there is actually getting the right people to help you. In that case, we have managed great partners that do managed services, for example. They will come in and look after your services rather than relying on it on the normal team who do not have that security expertise. Good answer. Good yeah. answer. Uh, I, I agree. And with the first step is just recognizing what are you dealing with. 
what kind of websites are you running? Are you running anything that can be, well, potentially could be attacked? Of course, everything can be attacked. Mm. But what kind of data are you dealing with? Are you dealing with something sensitive? Um, are you working with public? Are you working with vendors? Are you working with partners? Are you working with other companies? What kind of groups are you dealing with? And first first of all, understanding what you're dealing with, what what can go wrong, then working with those partners on, on well, how can we now deal with this? Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, from a from the standpoint of how to make it better, it sounds like there's a, there's a whole lot to do, a whole lot to do. It sounds like, you know, I think, totally agree with you, Lorcan, there actually, getting the right people in, I think is probably the single biggest investment. Um, but I do have one last question for you, and that is, I absolutely agree with what you just said, but how do you get past the shiny box syndrome with um, with security techies? See, one of the th- biggest things I found when I, when we're talking about security is people want the next shiny box. How do you convince them that actually it's not the shiny box, it's what you've done with the shiny box that matters? Do you have a particular... Oh, I, love, I love the shiny box. I, I know, we all love the shiny box, and that's the problem. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, you're quite right. There is a shiny box. So there are vendors out there who do a lot of these services in the cloud, for example. Okay, this is where the next best thing is, because, as I mentioned earlier on, the peripheral has moved. The peripheral has moved to the cloud. So there was a lot of services out there in the cloud. So you don't need the physical shiny box. Allow the vendors who are the experts at the end of the day yep. to do their job and they will protect you as much as they can. There's nothing zero, there's nothing foolproof in this day and age. 99% uh, protection is about all you can get. And let the vendors do their job and talk to the cloud services vendors out Brilliant. there. They are definitely up there and they're definitely very, very good. Perfect. Alex, any final words? Um, no, I, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> that's the last thing you want to hear right now. Awesome. Um, no, that's fine. That's yeah, fine. The, the, speak to your partners. Speak to speak to the cloud vendors. Speak, speak to, to your us. Regular, speak to us. Speak to us. Speak, speak to, to Lorcan. Speak to Lorcan. Speak to Lorcan and Alex. There you go. Hey well, guys, we're, we're, it's not just myself here. We've got a dedicated team of pre-sales guys that will help all our partners and in turn help the end users as well. Perfect. Perfect. And with that. Um, Thank you very much, guys. Really, really appreciate you coming over from Ireland, especially. Um, Alex works for me, so he's pretty much stuck and, and on this whenever I need him. Um, but outside of that, no, really, really good. Thank you very much. And just as a little tease to next week, um, we're actually planning on telling you roughly what you should do to get that 99% that Lorcan just referred to. So, uh, so yeah, stay tuned. Great podcast next week. Um, just like to thank Lorcan. Thanks, Alex. As per usual, our producer today has been uh, Hannah Jennings. I'm David Fern, and thank you very much for listening, and goodbye. Thank Thank you very much. much.